Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet Liam Vaughn, Barton Gelman, and Jung Pak, from a young trading prodigy who triggered the fastest U.S. market crash, to Edward Snowden, to Kim Jong-un, real people and gripping events inspired each of these authors to write their books. Although they each found the narration process to be more challenging than expected, find out which author was reminded of their childhood experiences in choir as they recorded their audiobook. Enjoy. Hi, this is Liam Vaughan, author of Flash Crash, a trading savant, a global manhunt, and the most mysterious market crash in history. I wrote my book because in a decade covering financial markets, Nav's story was just the most remarkable and crazy and bizarre that I'd ever heard. The whole idea that this guy in his bedroom, underneath the Heathrow flight path, could end up getting sucked in to this huge global scandal was just perplexing to me and completely compelling. And Nav was just such a fascinating character, part evil genius and part naive kid, and I just knew that someone had to tell the story. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be challenging. It was great fun to read the book, and I learned so much from Lorelai King, my director, but it was an intense experience, and by day three, I can't deny I was totally exhausted. I had a newfound respect for professional voice artists. I would say that I struggled more with certain sounds and certain combinations of words. So, for example, in my book, there's a pair of characters called McKinnon and DuPont that I had to keep saying again and again, and I just found that I constantly stumbled over that. I'm proud that I was able to get through this process and give the listeners a sense for how I view the story. They should definitely listen out for some of the dodgy accents, (laughs) if nothing else, for a laugh. The ideal narrator, I guess I've got to say it's Dev Patel because he signed up to play Nav in the movie version of the book. So, yes, I'd love to hear Dev do it. And now listen to a clip from the audiobook. In 1998, Nav had temporarily left home to attend Brunel, a mid-tier university a few miles from Hounslow where he studied computer science and math. Like many students, Nav and his friends were broke but one of their housemates always seemed to have cash. One day, Nav asked him how he could afford such expensive clothes. Trading came the response. At the time, the dot-com bubble was in full swing, and Nav's friend had deposited his student loan into a brokerage account and was now funding his studies by buying and selling tech stocks. How hard could it be, thought Nav. He started devouring anything trading-related he could. This is Barton Gelman. This book is about three things, really. It's an inside tour, a guided tour, of the development of the secret surveillance state. It is a profile of Edward Snowden, the most significant leaker we've had in 40 years. And it's a behind-the-scenes picture of investigative reporting in real time, what it was like to try to report and write this story. I wrote my book because there was so much left untold from the daily journalism at the time that I wrote those stories in the Washington Post. 
There were a lot of things that I didn't say then, some that I couldn't say then, and I needed the sweep of a full book-length narrative to tell this story. I was inspired by All the President's Men, which was another behind-the-scenes look at a large national scandal and the process of reporting on it from the inside. I would say that narrating this book was both harder and easier than I expected. It is surprisingly difficult to read one's own words aloud for hour after hour. It was easier because I had the experienced guidance of David Rapkin as my director. I discovered in the course of narrating this book that it was a bad idea to include in Turkish the name of the Turkish Intelligence Service, which is very difficult to pronounce, that I can't pronounce Latin, worth a damn, that I didn't know that the G in sigil was a soft G, that I never knew all my life the pronunciation of preternatural, and several others. It was actually kind of humbling. I'm particularly pleased with the way the dialogue came out. I spent a lot of time reporting my notes or going back to transcripts and reproducing dialogue of events as they happened. And I could feel the excitement of those times again as I reread the words. There were also a few times, I'll leave those to the listener to decide, when I thought I landed a joke pretty well that it would be better to hear it than to read it on a printed page. If I weren't going to do this book myself, I would have loved to hear Jim Dale do it, especially with his McGonagall voice. I am a big sucker for the Harry Potter audiobooks. Reading this book brings back a lot of memories of reading to my children as they grew up. We read countless chapter books and picture books and long serial stories and the joy of holding them in my lap as I read. And I recaptured a little bit of that feeling by reading this book as well. And now listen to a clip from the audiobook. There is another narrative here, more personal, that I did not expect to write. It is the story of my own journey as one of three journalists on the receiving end of the most consequential public leak in the history of U.S. intelligence. Against all inclination and training as a teller of other people's tales, I came to believe I should answer questions that I had sidestepped for years. Why did Snowden choose me? What made me think I could trust him? How did we communicate under the nose of U.S. counterintelligence authorities? Where did we meet in Moscow? Why did my name appear in an NSA file that predated the Snowden leak? Did the government try to stop my stories? How did I decide which secrets to publish and which to hold back? Who the hell elected me to decide? Hi, this is Jung Pak, author of Becoming Kim Jong-un, a former CIA officer's insights into North Korea's enigmatic young dictator. I wrote the book because I had left the CIA, where I was the senior analyst there on Korea issues, and I started at the Brookings Institution as a senior fellow. While at the CIA, I was writing for a very small group, the president chiefly, and his cabinet members and other members in the government, this was an opportunity to tell the story and tell the big story of Kim Jong-un, his rise, what motivates him, what drives him, what's the history of North Korea, and how does that affect our present and our future. 
And this was an opportunity for me to put all of that on paper for a broad public audience versus the very small audience I had when I was at the CIA. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be physical. It reminded me of when I was in choir when I was a kid and how your stomach had to be tight and you had to be sitting up straight and you had to take deep breaths and be able to let them out slowly. And so by the end of the day, I found myself like as if I had did some exercise reading this audiobook. And I thought that was really interesting. It brought back some memories of being in the choir. I realized I had trouble pronouncing femininity. It seems like there are too many syllables in there or too many ninnies or something. And it was hard to pronounce it as I was doing the audiobook. I also found denuclearization to be problematic, even though that's a part of my daily vocabulary, and that this was something that's multisyllabic and not something that normal people would say on a daily basis. But I thought that was really fascinating to see how those two particular words made me stumble a little bit. I'm proud that I was able to have the same level of energy throughout the process, and that I found myself liking what I wrote. That was a great relief to me, having lived with this project for so long and in my head and alone at my dining room table writing this by myself for so long. And to be able to read it out loud, it was a great privilege for me to hear my words back and to be able to share this with the public who wants to listen to this audiobook. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Sarah Jessica Parker. I'm a child of the 80s and the 90s, so obviously Sarah Jessica Parker. But it's also because when I was a Fulbright scholar in Korea, it was kind of lonely. Even though I'm of South Korean heritage, it was still pretty lonely and it was an alien environment for me. But what really made me happy was that South Korean TV had Sex in the City on. This was the early 2000s. And watching this show and watching Sarah Jessica Parker talk about her life in New York made me feel very nostalgic, but also very much at home, even though I was, you know, 6,000 miles away from my home in New York City to be able to listen to her voice and this show about New York City. So she's always been a comforting and in a way, a strange link in my mind of South Korea and my life as a New Yorker. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. North Korea is what CIA analysts call the hardest of the hard targets. The nuclear-armed country is an enduring national security threat, but the regime's opaqueness, self-imposed isolation, robust counterintelligence practices, and culture of fear and paranoia provide at best fragmentary information, impeding the agency's ability to inform, predict, and warn with a high level of confidence. Some of the most mundane pieces of information, such as birthdays of key regime leaders or the Kim family's whereabouts on any given day, are hard to verify or even obtain. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening.
For more behind the mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com/nextlisten.